BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. One, I think it's okay to be angry and frustrated and mad about your situation or what's going on. But where I think people get in trouble um, is when they let those frustrations and that anger and that sadness overwhelm their, their hearts and their mind to the point where then they become blind to the blessings that they still do have in life. Hey, everybody, and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate, and I'll be your host. We've got awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and are bringing you the realest conversations about everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to RealPod. I hope you're having a great week. Honestly, thank you for deciding to listen to this podcast and also for choosing this particular episode, which I can assure you was a fantastic decision because we are being joined by someone who will certainly inspire you, move you, and remind you what it is to be truly grateful and to truly fight to see that silver lining no matter the challenge you're facing. On Real Pod today is Jake Olson. At eight months old, Jake was diagnosed with retinoblastoma cancer and had to have his left eye removed. The doctors were able to save his right eye, fortunately. But then, after years of continuing to fight his cancer, stay healthy, and just lead a normal childhood life, Jake was 12 and that cancer was back and this time so severe that the chemo and medicine could not treat it and the doctors told him that he was going to have to uh, have his right eye removed. So Jake completely lost all of his sight at the age of 12, but he continued to play the sport he loved, which was football. He continued to attack life with a determination and fire that this would not keep him from becoming his full potential and leading a great life. And Jake made it all the way onto the USC football team, put in two years of blood, sweat, tears to eventually actually be put into a real USC game as a long snapper where he made a successful snap that aided USC's field goal and win of the game. And Jake is here today to talk about all of that, his journey, his story, how him and his family handled his cancer and everything he's been through and the choices that Jake's made to be where he is today, strong and determined. And that most importantly, what I learned from him and you'll learn too, is that no matter the challenge, no matter the scenario, Jake is always making the choice that will move him forward. I hope that this episode touches you in the same way it did for me. Let's get to it. This is your first, no, not your first podcast. You've been on a few. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you. Oh, we're a podcast guru over here. Have you ever thought of starting your own? Um, I, A little bit. I, I, um, yeah, I mean, I, 
kind too of, many things going on right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was pretty busy for a while. I mean, it's it's something that we actually started talking about this year. So, I mean, we'll see. Maybe in the next couple of months. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I feel it. It's it's a grind, though. And you're building a business and you're speaking of all these things going on. Yeah. So, just another thing on the plate. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> but it, that means you've had many conversations with people, especially yeah. about your story. And honestly, as I was like prepping to to sit down and talk with you, um, which is an honor, not only just as a Trojan, <laughs> by the way, but just as uh, just knowing your story, which is so inspiring. I wanted to just kind of start off real blunt and just ask that in all the conversations you have about your story, can you sense people who like, you know, are careful with their words or don't know how to ask <laughs> you something? Yeah. Like, what's your take on that? Um, I do. I don't care. I mean, I tell people it's, it's, it's something that I get, think gets hyped up by society, but me personally, I don't really care. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes, especially in my case, when you're careful with what words you use, like a lot of people will say, oh, you know, visually impaired or whatever. But I mean, for me, that visually impaired has a totally different meaning than blind, you know, because obviously somebody who's visually impaired, I mean, that's a whole, a ra- whole range mm-hmm. of what possibly they could be seeing. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I, I tell people I'm all fair game. I mean, I, I love giving people crap. I love <laughs> taking crap. Like it's, it's, it is, um, one of my favorite quotes is you can't take life too seriously or you'll never make it out alive. And, uh, and so that's how I kind of live my life in the sense that, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to let someone ruin my life or day because they said something that maybe was a little insensitive or something like that. I mean, for all I know, they, they had no idea and it's fine. I mean, if I need to tell them, I tell them if not, then, oh, well. And you probably prefer when people just treat you normally. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the funny thing is, is when most people, meet me it's it is kind of that careful let's make sure he doesn't walk into anything like oh let's hold his hand like (laughs) and then literally you know two weeks later just more more, more times than not they'll just turn around and start walking without me and then realize 10 steps in like oh yeah yeah, we're we're going this way like you know you just completely forget right and you probably prefer that (laughs) yeah it's it's the ultimate compliment you know that's awesome well i've obviously from the mutual professors we've had and and are my friends on the football team i've heard so much about you and um I, I'm just excited to sort of dive deeper into not only what your experience has been, but your approach to life, mm-hmm. which is pretty phenomenal. And I think you have a lot of wisdom and <laughs> inspiration to share people because here you are like absolutely dominating. And I think there's people in similar situations who maybe wouldn't shown wouldn't have shown that same resilience. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm, I'm very look, much looking forward to. It. I love what you do too. So oh, I mean, thanks. It's, uh, be fun. So I guess I just want to rewind and I'm, I'm sure you can't remember totally being eight months old, but <laughs> that was how old you were when unfortunately your parents found out that you mm-hmm. know you were diagnosed with retinoblastoma. So what are your first memories of, of maybe one being one or two years old, realizing your situation was maybe different than your sister's? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I tell a story that one of my kind of very first realizations that I guess I was a little different was when I was leaving my kindergarten uh, graduation early and I remember my mom breaking down in the parking lot and um, she was crying and I you know I was like mom why are you crying and she's just like this isn't fair like you know you should be having to do this and I you know I'm doing what you know like it, it was the second time the cancer came back so we were going to go up to receive chemotherapy and for me you know it, it wasn't it, it really I mean didn't hit me that hard then I just kind of realized okay like obviously the other kids aren't <laughs> going up to the hospital mm-hmm. and doing this um, but you know, I think one of the cool things about being a child is that 
until you told until you're told something is different then you, you you don't necessarily know it's different i remember my twin sister being in uh the room when it's called the ocularis that do the prosthetic eyes and they removed my left eye obviously as a little kid and um so i was continuing to as i grew to get more prosthesis and she was like you know emma's sitting there like when, when's my eye gonna get taken out and my mom's like <laughs> she said that yeah and my mom's like well it doesn't really work like that you know not this time you know but um so you know <laughs> like funny. i think as kids like you don't necessarily realize something's i guess uh, you know you're not wrong. thinking of the long-term effect right and so you know eventually growing up you start realizing okay i can't see as well in in dark places or at nighttime and you know i can't see on my left eye but for me it wasn't something that necessarily i knew was different it just was how i grew up and how i lived my life were people treating you different in first grade second grade no no i mean you know i i wore glasses so i mean i don't really remember being ever bullied about wearing glasses but you know there's always i guess that stigma out there when we're growing up little that you're a nerd when you wear glasses or whatever mm-hmm. but um but no i mean if anything i i love to mess with kids I mean, it's, it's kind of a cool, I guess, little fact that you can take out your eye as a little kid. I remember, you know, having, having old prosthesis, prosthesis that like I would take. And there was one time, like it must've been in fourth or fifth grade where I, uh, pretended I had a, one of, one of my old eyes in my hand kind of, and I was covering it with my fist and I like put it up to my face. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it's coming out. And then I like, <laughs> I showed this kid like this eye I had in my hand while still covering my other one, my real eye with my right hand and uh he's like oh my gosh and i guess he went and threw up in the bathroom so <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yeah, yeah. this kid's like i can wiggle my ears you're like well i could take my eye out yeah right so <laughs> you know so definitely things are you're 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 getting some of the jokes in there that they can't really make yeah um and then i mean the first this is 12 years of your life you have sight out of one eye mm-hmm. and then unfortunately after fighting and fighting the cancer you find out that it's come back now and and it's going to come at the cost of the only remaining eye right. you have. That conversation, was that something that at, at 12 was on your... I don't like a 10, 11, were you thinking there's a chance I lose this other eye or are you fairly confident in the doctors and everything you've no, been because, through? Yeah, I, I thought that we were pretty safe in the fact that we... You know, from my understanding, it was... I had to lose my left eye just because we had we had found the cancer so late as a baby. And so we let the cancer progress to the point in my left eye that we couldn't treat it. But the fact we were always treating my right eye and going and getting checkups and when that cancer would return, we would treat it that there would there wouldn't be a point that I was, you know, ever at jeopardy losing my right eye. Just we, we could continue to fight it. I mean, as many times as it would come back, but eventually you know, I, as a little kid, I didn't realize, you know, there was a, a max on how much radiation one person could take and mm-hmm. a max on how much chemo one person can take, you know, and the fact that when the cancer came back, you know, or would come back that it, you know, for the, it would learn, you know, it'd become immune to some of these, these treatments we were using and eventually just kind of came to the point where like, okay, this thing is not going to go away and we can't use the treatments. And I mean, we could try to hit it with stuff we know is not going to work, but all you're going to do is, you know, be rolling the dice on the fact of, time when it's going to spread um so you know it it was a shock in that aspect it really was it was something that i didn't want to hear and Mm -hmm. um never thought i would hear and then once i did hear it i mean it just was very frustrating obviously and the fact that just like okay why you know we just fought so hard like why 
why now after all this did we come to the same i guess result as my left eye you know 12 years earlier were your parents at this time it's it's tough because they want to be the emotional example for you of maybe keeping it positive of well you can handle this you could face this you're still going to live a great life but then also dealing with the fact that they want what's best for you and they wanted you to fight this as well and what was the sort of communication like within your family as as everyone was realizing this yeah, it was tough i mean obviously my parents were heartbroken i mean i think in a in a sense it was harder for them because as a child or as their child i mean i you know i don't have kids i i can't imagine but you you want the what's the best what's best for them and you want to protect them and you want them to be safe and i bet they felt way out of control and mm-hmm. for me it was yeah this is out of control but at the same time it was it was my body it was my mind it was still my ability uh, and in in my possibility you know in, in my power to get past this and for them it was you know i don't know how this kid's going to react you know he's a strong kid but this is you know obviously really devastating that you know i'm sure flashes went through their mind of what this is going to do to my soul and so for them i i I definitely think it was tougher but you know they were there for me they 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 loved me they were strong for me they you know continually put in my ear that i I could get through this that we were going to get through this and uh you know they kept supporting me in 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 just even after losing my side of the things i wanted to do they believed in me you know they um were were there for me at every step which you know obviously went a long way you know they they obviously you I, I i kind of you don't treat a kid normal and they're like oh just treat him normal i mean there's obviously certain <laughs> certain things you got to take in consideration now you know but what i tell people is you know if, if your kid has a passion you, you find a way for them to pursue that passion because that's what's going to make them happy in life and before you had have to have that that second eye surgery you were already playing football you're already golfing mm-hmm. you already had these passions right and that's from a very young age. Like you were falling in love with these sports, yes. correct? Middle school, high school. Yes. Yep. And and played through, through you know the treatment. And sometimes my, my eyesight would be better than others. But uh, but yeah, absolutely love sports. Tried almost all of them. Um, but really, obviously had a passion for golf and football, um, and was something that you know was a very scary thought when going through this. Was how am I going to continue to play these sports that? take up so much of my time and that I love playing so much. How long until finding out about this, um, the removal of the right eye and that surgery happening, what was the time frame in between those two dates? It was a month and a half. A month and a half. Yeah. And that was just the doctor saying, this is this is the most time we could give you before we would be concerned. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I think they were just wanting to see, I guess, we did some localized treatments. Again, they were 99.9% sure it wouldn't affect the cancer, but we did them anyways. Um, and we just wanted to see how I think how the cancer responded and, you know, obviously it didn't do anything. Um, but yeah, eventually it just was kind of okay. You know what, what? Let's just set a date because again, I mean, the further you, you push it back, I mean, again, you're only increasing the odds of it, uh, spreading. So as a 12 year old, how are you processing the fact that like, this is the last five six weeks that i'm gonna be able to see yeah it was it was it was a a tormenting thought that's for sure i mean it was uh something that was on my mind constantly um were you going to therapy i was not no okay that's wow i mean emotionally to not to handle that yeah it was it was tough i mean you know one of the i guess my therapy was i mean going to usc (laughs) right (laughs) it really was i mean um 
being part of that football team, being inside, you know, USC and, um, you know, I mean, at the, the practice field and, you know, Howard Jones and stuff, it was, it was kind of a, a safe haven of just forgetting what was going on on the outside and just being able to be with these guys that I loved and were my heroes. And so, you know, that, that absolutely, um, really boosted my spirits. I did a couple of cool things. You know, I got, I, I played Pebble beach actually this summer before finding this out. Gorgeous. Um, yeah. So I wanted to go play it one more time, um, <laughs> because just, I wanted to see it and you know, it was, it was awesome. Um, you know, I got to sit courtside at a, a Lakers game, which was awesome. Um, so, you know, I, I remember in an interview, Pete Carroll said, we want Jake to see everything he wants to see. Yeah. And they brought you to a practice. They brought you to Oh yeah. Room. I mean, they, yeah, I, I growing up a huge fan. I, mean, I became a been... full fledged member of that team. It was, it was, <laughs> it was really fun. And, um, so, you know, that, that definitely helped, but no, I mean, one of the things that I think weighed so heavily on me was that thought. And it wasn't until really uh, going blind that coming home, you know, from, from that, uh, the hospital realizing that that burden was, was on me. And, you know, it kind of almost felt like a relief, even though I was blind now and that wasn't, you know, obviously the, the best thing I could ever imagine, but, um, there was that sense of like, okay, this, this is final. Like this is what's happened. Um, there's no more waiting. There's no more, you know, 24 hours, 10 minutes, whatever it's, it, it happened. And so now, now it's time to move on, but absolutely for those six weeks. Yeah, it was, there was, there was, there was a lot of, a lot of things to think about. Sounds pretty, I don't know what the word is for like a 12 year old to just, like you just said, have that mindset of just got to accept this situation and, and figure out what's best. And did that come quickly to you or you're um, throughout yeah. middle school where there are like those hard nights where you're crying or where you, you can't see this thing you're used to seeing and it's, it's frustrating <laughs> for you. No, I mean, I, I like, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll answer the first question in the sense that I was a 12 year old and I say this, that was battle tested. I mean, I, I really was battle tested. I faced cancer for 12 years. I came back eight times. I mean, it was just this constant, I guess, disappointment. And when it comes back, what are we going to do? What are we going to face it with? Okay, let's, let's face it. I mean, there, so there was a, there was a lot of struggle in that, you know, it wasn't easy. And so by the time that this came around, like, yes, it was the most devastating news. Yes. It was the hardest battle I was gonna have to face, but you know, this, it doesn't mean you have to, you lose a strategy and the mindset, um, that you, you had basically used your entire life to get through, you know, those, those other um, challenges. And so I think it had been kind of developing me. I think, you know, I, I had developed that, that strength and that positive attitude and that courage to continue to push on. So it was a little bit natural, um, to answer your second question. Yeah, there was definitely times where it's sad and angry and frustrating. And yeah, I mean, of course those, those times come and they still, they still do come, you know, I, my situation hasn't changed. Right. right. But, um, you know, I, I, I tell people when I speak, you know, I, I think it's okay to have those feelings. One, I think it's okay to be angry and frustrated and mad about your situation or what's going on. But where I think people get in trouble um, is when they let those frustrations and that anger and that sadness overwhelm their, their hearts and their mind to the point where then they become blind to the blessings that they still do have in life. And, wow. um, and, and that's the thing that I, I learned is that, yeah, I could get frustrated about not seeing, I could get mad about not seeing and there's times where I do. And there's times where I feel left out and those are in those times. And sure there's times I cry, but it is in those moments that I let myself feel that. But I also remind myself of how blessed I am, all the things I still do have. And I don't let myself go down that wormhole of just how everything sucks because the fact is, yes, I don't have my eyesight, but I think it'd be shameful for me to focus and be angry and mad about the, the one thing I don't have, which is my eyesight every day of my life. 
I'm wow. I'm just that's that was incredibly inspiring. I'm like just feeling like I. I mean, you're, what do you think? How do you tolerate people who experience something in their life that they consider is difficult or challenging, and and then they 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 essentially like piss it all away. Like they're like, <laughs> ah, screw this. Like I'm a bit. Well, I get frustrated. Me, me. Like I, how do you? And so many people yeah. approach life that way. No, I and I and I and you know I think it's a, it's a a balance of having sympathy, but also. You know, I do get frustrated because it, it for me it's like you know what you you do have so much potential. Like you still have an ability inside yourself to go to go live a fulfilling life and a purposeful life. You know, like don't don't let this one um, set of circumstances dictate your entire potential in life. And and so yeah, you know, I, I definitely get uh, <laughs> get frustrated, but um, but you know, I, I think I try to live my life to show people that you know it, it absolutely you, you can do the same thing I, I have done. You know, I'm not, I have no superpowers. I have no, um, special gift. You know, it's just, it's just something that you have to take upon yourself. And again, um, you know, there's a time for everything. There really is. There's a time to be sad and, and there's a time to, to, to f- focus on what's gone wrong and, and, and lament. But I mean, there's also a time where you have to pick yourself up and say, okay, you know, this has happened. I respect this is what's happened. This is not what I want to happen, but it did happen. So how am I going to continue to live life? Because life is going to go on. People are going to go on and you got to go on. Do you think that that comes down to a choice that every single person has? I absolutely think it's a choice that every single person has. To choose to, to choose. see a silver lining, to yeah. choose to see the other blessings yeah, that they have and the other potential they it's have. It's the first thing I... You know, after telling my story, it's the first thing I hit on my speeches. I, I say, at the end of the day, it was a choice. It was a choice for me to come home in that hospital today and, and choose to continue to move on. And uh, Coach Baxter at uh, SC, it's not his quote, but he always said it. And the first choice in anything is how you view a situation. And he says, when you ch- change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And it's choosing to change the way you look at things, you know. It's choosing to see problems as opportunities and, and, and seeing that. Yes, going blind is a problem. It opens up a world full of problems. How are you going to read and write? You got to learn Braille. How are you going to get around? You got to use a cane. How are you going to do this, that, whatever? And those are problems, but they're also opportunities to, to, to learn, to use your other senses, to grow, to, um, you know, grow your network, to, to meet people, to be in these, these situations like the fact that I was able to go to USC at the age of 12 and have that experience mm-hmm. that, that led me to one day playing for USC and aspiring millions. I mean, you know, that I, after my first snap, I uh, told a reporter, you know, if you can't see how God works things out, I think you're the blind one. And I meant that in the sense that, you know, if you really can't see that through all of this, everything that's happened to me, that all this came together for, you know, this moment and for, for where my life's heading, that I do think you're the blind one because it's, it's obvious. I mean, it's obvious what I went through, the problems I went through presented these opportunities for me to be here today. Wow. And I also think along with that and these blessings that you receive, something I'm curious to learn more, your take on this is, the relationships that you have in your life. I mean, not even with Quebec, but with all of your <laughs> friends and the people in your life, like you, I mean, I would imagine every single relationship you have is deep and meaningful. I mean, uh, you are hearing someone's heart. You are, it's action. It's how that's being built and especially trust. I mean, you have to trust every single person in your life. I watched <laughs> the video of, was it Wyatt who ran you out? Yeah. 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 Wyatt, great guy. But you just running. I mean, if Max told me to go down the street, close my eyes and run straight, and he was like, trust me, <laughs> I would be like, never, Max. You're trying to like do something to me. Yes. But you have to trust everyone. And is that something that you had to work on? Was that trusting yourself? Or just everyone in your life, you have to have that some sort of... I mean, I yeah, I get... You know, it's, it's funny because when, when people do, you know, pretend like 
there'll be a couple of times and I mean, obviously I know I'm hanging on to someone. So it's usually not just me guiding them because obviously they, they probably would be scared in a sense. But <laughs> like if I'm if I'm hanging on to someone's shoulder and someone's like, OK, let's make like a train. So like they're they're hanging on my shoulder and they close their eyes. I mean, they can't do it for more than 10 seconds. They just start freaking <laughs> out and just like. So, yeah, I guess it is a, a level of trust. But um, but no, I mean, when you're talking about, you know, trust and that support and that love, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it goes in every aspect of my life. I mean, I, I depend on people to, you know, I depend on my teachers growing up to figure out a new way I can learn math and learn, you know, school. And um, when it comes down to football, yeah, it was it was up to Wyatt and having that trust with him that, you know, beyond just guiding me out there. I mean, it was, it was, how is he going to line up my hips? You know, is, is just having that, that connection yeah. and the communication of, okay, that, you know, I'm, I'm lined up correctly. Now we can successfully do the snap. And, um, so there was, there was a lot to it. Um, but I don't know, it's something you build, right? Trust is something you build and it, it, it builds, I think quicker when you need it, <laughs> but, but <laughs> you have no choice, but trust right. Him, yeah. But I think it definitely is, is something you, you, you build. And one of my favorite relationships in your life that I see all the time on Instagram is obviously Quebec. Yes. And in getting a guide dog, was this when you were 12, 13? And did you uh, choose Yeah, so I got Quebec when I was like 14 years old. And uh, it was like one of the youngest to ever get one. They usually don't get them that young. But I guess they figured I was mature enough or something. So (laughs) they they allowed me to get Quebec. But he... uh, yeah, he's he's been amazing. He's gone through high school and college with me, but talk about trust. It it I remember the first time I ever walked with Quebec alone, the first couple of days, you you just spend time with them and kinda of learn in the building what to do and stuff. And finally after a couple of days they put you out there on this course that's really regulated. There's a bunch of people kind of stationed silently watching to make sure you don't screw with something up too much. But <laughs> um but you're in, you know, in, in your own little bubble that you're alone, you know, there's no one behind you telling you what to do. And they give you this little pass. You're just trusting the dog. Uh-huh. They give you this little, little path. Um, you have to take, you know, through, through a little down is in San Rafael, California. So it's not a big city, but it's through a city, you know, crossing the streets and stuff. Um, and I remember we crossed the first street, was, everything was going fine. We get to the other side perfectly crossed at the right time. Um, and he stopped at the curb, which is amazing. I told him good boy, stepped up and just <laughs> whacked my head against the pole. Oh, and gosh. like, I was just like, I was, yeah, I was like, Quebec, and like Can really you tell that you were like in pain. Um, yeah. So Do they dogs win? yawn when they're stressed. Oh. Um, you know, they yawn when they're tired, but they yawn when they're stressed. And so yeah, he was, he was sitting there yawning. And I was like, you do like, come on, man. Like really? <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, he's been a perfect angel ever since. So. And you guys spend every second together. Correct? Almost, he yeah. He sleeps with you. He, well, when, yeah, when would pretty, you not be with Quebec? Um, you know, if frat you parties. <laughs> <laughs> Quebec doesn't make the cut for those. <laughs> I feel like he'd be a hit at he the would, nine but he, That's he, like Chick Magnet right He there. would not. He does not enjoy that loud music and right. the, the chaos of it. But So on that sort of night, are you cho- you're choosing a friend that you trust at school? Yeah, yeah. Or, or uh, just, yeah. I mean, pretty much just go out with friends. Um, few times i guess i went out somewhat by myself i guess i mean yeah. like meet people there and stuff but yeah and then come back home to the and, and quebec's like how we do he's checking you yeah, making pretty, sure pretty you're much. everyone's pretty good much, yeah um oh but that's incredible and my uh best friend aubrey, aubrey actually her they grew up yeah when you could have seeing eye dogs at they would breed them yeah yeah she lives she lives almost right by their campus up there, yeah so. and she has uh so i love love them it's really special how a dog can develop that relationship with a human i mean Very they're my special. personally my favorite animals yeah. i think cats are cute but <laughs> yes. i could never they're, they're... cross over that <laughs> side <laughs> no me either i mean it is it is a very special thing and you know they're they're 
your best friends. I mean, they're your companions. They, they're very loyal, and it's it's something that uh, definitely is uh, a great way to. I don't know how Quebec loves me and is loyal to me, as you know, you try to get that with, in other relationships. So my pastor, I remember once told me, because uh, especially in Quebec's earlier days, like literally, if you took him away, he would like just bark and try to get back to me and like, freak out. He still does that somewhat today, <laughs> but he just has separation anxiety. So, anyways, I remember this one time I was up on stage practicing a, a speech um kind of right when i was first doing this and he was down there and he was barking at me wanting to get out to me and my pastor is, he's like you know once he goes look at that if you ever find a woman that does that keep her <laughs> <laughs> well i bet that's a good tell if you have if you yeah you're dating someone you bring someone home it does quebec like her oh yeah because it's, it's, that's it's the ultimate uh, test yeah that that's true and the practically graduated USC with you as well. I mean, throughout, mm-hmm. throughout your whole college experience, probably knew the campus. Do you guys oh, yeah. end up together learning the map of where you're walking from place yeah. to place? Yeah, you do. Um, you know, you, you try to get kind of the map in your head and, and know what it's, it's kind of like. And then, yeah. And Quebec is a very smart, one of his one of his uh, best qualities is the ability to kind of, if I, I went to a certain building, um, you know, next time I'm walking by that building, he, he, he kind of almost sometimes will go there um you know, I'll kind of remind him like, no, we're not going to class right now. But <laughs> he's like very smart in the fact, okay, it's morning time. We're walking this route. I We're probably going to this class. Probably a little Galen, get a smoothie. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yep. And that's something I want to dive into too is, I mean, you were a student athlete and being a student athlete is, is tough. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not an easy lifestyle. It's not an easy hours at all. And, um, especially having to have a seeing eye dog help you through this process, um, must've been an experience unlike the ones that your play, your fellow teammates could relate to. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, there's a couple of differences, I guess. I mean, you know, I can't ride a bike or a skateboard around. Right. So there'd be times where meetings would start at two fifteen. I'd get out of class at one I'm across campus and you're trying to book it, but you know, I don't know. I, I, I mean, you can ask Max. I, I, I <laughs> it, would, it would take balls for, for any coach to say something, I guess, walking in a minute late. <laughs> I mean, but, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Um, so, I mean, yeah, and there's, there's times where it gets a little stressful or, you know, I have extra tutoring, you know, just cause, you know, I can't see the, the paper or something like that. Right. But, um, but something I've learned from just hearing your past interviews is that you, you don't want to be treated differently or extended a hand unless you ask for that hand. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's important to, uh, to absolutely kind of respect someone's, um, you know, make sure they're all good, but, you know, let them kind of come and, and reach and, and ask for the help that they need. Um, and so, you know, that's what I did. You know, if I, if I needed help within class, I was going to get help for the class, but, you know, I didn't need to be, you know, baby through every class. You know, there's certain classes I was completely fine just by myself. Right. Um, and then also just with football practice and lifting and then eventually getting to go into that yeah. first game. What was going, did you know on the sidelines that that was the game that you were maybe going to go? Yeah. In? Yeah. Helton had told me kind of that week that we pretty much was, was all set up and he confirmed it Friday. So yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I, I was ready to go. Um, and it, it was, it was a little nerve wracking. I mean, I think, you know, I'm sure you, you can relate, but it's, it's, it's more nerve wracking thinking about it. Right. Than, I mean, once you have that ball in your hand, you're kind of like, okay, you know, like I've done this so many times. Like it, it like, all comes down yeah. to literally one touch. Yeah. Right. It's just kind of, you know, let's do, do something you've done thousands of times. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was incredible. It, it was, it was just a, a very happy f- feeling going out there. I mean, it, there was, there really was, wasn't a lot of nerves once I was out there. Just this like over, overjoyed feeling of just 
Couldn't have gone better, to be honest. Yeah, well, just, I mean, like I said, I mean, to be honest, it was just, I worked so hard to get there and, yeah. you know, everything has happened. Everyone's kind of there. I mean, it was, it was almost like, who, who, who cares what actually happens? <laughs> like, right. this is the fact we're here. This right. is a, it's amazing within <laughs> itself. So. And speaking of, you just said the thoughts are almost like more crippling than the actual act of doing it physically. Mm-hmm. That was a question I had for you is I find sometimes, you know, my thoughts, my anxieties, they can run wild. And then in your situation, I would imagine there's not a visual thing that could distract you momentarily. Yeah. It's just you and what you're thinking. Yeah. How have you navigated that voice? <laughs> um, you know, you, you, uh, I, I, I talk to myself sometimes, especially in my head, you know, you just, you, you just got to lock yourself in and, and t- tell yourself you can do it. You've done it plenty of times, not to overthink it, you know, remind yourself just of the, the simplicity of it. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of times it's just really talking to yourself and, and really having that conversation and, and focusing on, like I said, all the things that you've done to be ready for this moment. Um, and then also just reminding yourself too. I mean, um, I think it was, it might've been coach McKay. I forget if it was or not, but, uh, back in the day, um, USC had a bad loss and afterwards, you know, the press was kind of get after him. He goes, you know, the point is there's a billion people over in Asia that don't didn't watch this game and don't care about this game. Yeah. And you know, the, the, I think the thing is the thing about is like, you know, this is, this is a, obviously it means more cause you, you were the one who put in so much time. You were the one who put in so much work and this is everything you've worked up for. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it is, you know, what really matters. I mean, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's a lesson that, you know, you reflect even a couple of weeks ago when, when Kobe Bryant died, you know, it's kind of like, you know, all, the, all that time winning those national championships. I mean, or not national, but the championships, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's special and, and I'm sure he loves having those memories and he's proud of what he did. But, you know, at the end of the day, I bet he, the only thing he really cared about was the fact that the time he got to spend with his family and, mm-hmm. you know, the ones that he spent with his loved ones. And, you know, and, and that's what is, I mean, I, I really think that's what's really important is just, you know, showing love, feeling love from from your loved ones. And I think at the end of the day, you can psych yourself up for all these additional things that matter in the moment. But at the end of the day. When you're, you know, when all of a sudden it's done, you're looking back on it. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I look back on college, I mean, stamping and being on the football team was an amazing experience. It's something I'll always treasure. But making the relationships with, you know, my manager and my other best friends and just having those kind of moments with my teammates off the field, I mean, that, that's what I'm really going to care about. Where do you credit this perspective you have? Because I would have to imagine you learn that from a mentor or you, you have a situation in your life where you realize, okay, this isn't work. Like I have to make this, the positive choice you're talking about. Was that something like innate in you? Like you Um, feel destined for, you know, I don't know. I I think, I think going through a lot of serious stuff when I was a kid and, um, you know, obviously going through what I went through at the age of 12. Um, you know, I think it kind of enlightened me just to, Mm -hmm. to, to how precious life is and, and what are the real things that matter in life? You know, I, I think that, um, you know, you, you have a lot of stresses. And again, I, I, I don't mean to like ever demean someone's stress of, of getting an A on the test or stuff like that. I mean, that, that obviously matters. You know, things matter in life. You, you don't want to be this, right. this hippie like, oh, man, nothing well, matters. Well, I think love. they am <laughs> You know, but like, but there is, so there's a level of still being driven and wanting to, to exceed in everything you do and putting your best foot forward. But. When, when it doesn't go well and inevitably when you do make a mistake or when you fail or when things get hard, it, it is, it is a, a, a fallback just to remind yourself, Hey, you know, this is, this is important, but like, you know, it's, it's not, this doesn't define me. This doesn't 
you know, I don't value myself on the fact that I have an A or B on this paper, you know, like I, I, I value myself because my friends love me, my parents love me and, you know, my, my boyfriend, girlfriend loves me and, you know, other people are there and they, they, they are wishing me on and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I think, you know, a lot of people kind of get, uh, get confused in life is when they put their, their worth and their value on things that, um, you know, aren't when either one don't care about them or two, you know, don't actually reflect what their, what their actual value is. Yeah. And it's so enticing these days, especially with social media mm-hmm. and with achievement and the stress and pressure on, yep. on these certain things that, I mean, there's almost no focus on all the things, the important things you mentioned, right? Like the, the, your process or your family life or your relationships or your character. It yeah. seems that everything that's being valued outwardly is the, the letter grade, the stats on the sheet, um, the like count. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I've lo- I've lost sight of that too, um, just in my own life. We and- all do. I mean, it's it's a it's a very enticing. It's a it's a wormhole that we all get lost in. I mean, I get lost in that too. I mean, you, you know, you you check how many likes you get and stuff, and like, you know, why didn't this do well? Like, do people not like it? Whatever. I mean, it's <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, I I um, you know, you 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 look at other cultures, and there's so many things that are like, oh, this other culture's happy because X, Y, or Z. It's like, look at the cultures that that focus on family and friendship. You know, like and and. You see a lot. You see a lot of a lot of uh, happiness in those, just because. I mean, that's, that's again. At the end of the day, not, not to say other things aren't important, but at the end of the day, the most important thing is that. I mean, it really is. It's we, we say in football, faith, family, football. I mean, that's that's what the Coach Allen thing is, and and that's true. I mean, football is third. It's faith, family, football. Yeah, and being someone who did have sight for the first period of their life and then lost that sight, how that those illustrations, those images that you still have, those memories, are they still vivid for you? Or is that something that you, you hold on to dearly? Like when yeah. you touch the football and you, <laughs> you, you can imagine what it looks like? Yeah. If I, if I want to, I mean, I, to be honest, I would have thought I would have done that a lot more. Um, when I was, you know, thinking about going blind, it's like, okay, this is something I'm going to really want to see. And I'll always be focused on what I could be seeing and try to picture in my mind. And I think a lot of times, I even forget to do that. I mean, there's so much going else going on, conversations, feelings, what I'm hearing. There's so much else going on. Literally over half the time, I, I don't even think twice that I can't see or the, if I could see, what would I be seeing? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I could just be me, I guess. But yeah. that's it, I, I found that interesting after going blind. It's like, huh. I guess I really like don't like care all this like the sort of things, the stereotypes, the preconceived notions you had. Like you're not really thinking about. I actually, I think you said on, um, uh, I think it was Gervais' podcast. You said something about I don't even try to imagine like what people look like. And you, that would be something that I would think, oh, when you meet someone, you see in like the Ray Charles movie, he's like touching someone's face. Yeah, like yeah. that's like the, yeah, I, the yeah, thing I, they portray for people who are right. blind. <laughs> but you said you don't even try to imagine people look like. No, because I think I mean, like to be honest, like what does it what does it really matter? You know, right. like what what what's what's going to change in this in this conversation if I knew exactly what you look like? You know, right. not, nothing. So, um, you know, I th- I, th- I think for the most part, I, I really don't care unless obviously it's uh, you know, it's uh, we're out in the frat party. Then you might <laughs> then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we keep coming back. Then you might want then you might want to know what someone looks like. We gotta like, get you know? back to the atrium. Were you were, were you in a fraternity or just you um, were just the, no, the token no. they let you into all the parties? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I did, I, I did, but no, it's pretty much just show up. And, 
I'm laughing. That's hilarious. I know the feeling. You know, you go, you want to make sure you're looking cute. You never know who you're going to see. Exactly. And they exactly. think USC is a big school, but I think depending on like, at least the athletic circles feel small. It is. I feel yeah. like I knew everyone at the athletic circles. No, it, it, SC is a smaller school than, than you, you would imagine. And that's for sure. Yeah. And we came in the same class. I'm surprised. I mean, I remember living like right by like Jadan. Christian Rector, Isaiah, where, who are you living with that I didn't, um, where, was that your senior year? No, that was my freshman year. Oh, your freshman year? I remember living in, so I lived in floor my freshman year and then I, I was in Webb Tower. Okay. So then I lived they Webb. They stuck us in Webb. I, I, oh, sorry. No, no, you're, um, I lived in Webb my sophomore and junior year. Okay. And then I, uh, I pulled some strings and got the village my senior year. So. Ooh, that's so nice. Yeah. That's the prime place to live. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was good. And I mean, there's, there's also something about said about being being a senior and you're always a sophomore. So. <laughs> no. You're like, please yeah. don't check in on me. I don't want you to. I can light a candle if I want. Okay, yeah. I'm 22. No, they, they, they knew just to leave us alone. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time. I guess the last few questions I just want to ask are, I mean, looking into 2020, looking into a new year. I mean, what's your plan of attack? And I mean, we're both in this situation, fresh out of school, yeah. pursuing passions and dreams. Yeah, you know, uh, a passion of mine is obviously, you know, I, I think God's been giving me this opportunity for a long time, and, and He's continuing to give me it, just sharing my story, impacting people's lives, and I, I can do that in every possible way, if it's through uh, Victoria Garrick's podcast, <laughs> a real pod, or it's, um, you know, speaking around the country or whatever, you know, it's it's, it's an honor to, to be doing that and, and a privilege to share my story, so... I imagine I'll continue to do that. Um, I started a business, which is really cool. So kind of going down the entrepreneurship yeah, path, which awesome. is which is really cool. Um, continue to play golf, you know. And uh, I know you're killing it. I mean, yeah. you were hanging out with T Woods this morning. Yeah, yeah, it was it was, uh, it was awesome. So lo- lo- always love love golf. Um, and then, you know, I, I really did find a love for the weight room in, in college and uh, lifting and just being kind of the whole fitness thing. And so, you know, I I, I don't know what kind of lies down there in in uh, my future, but might be interesting to kind of maybe go for my uh, to be to be personal trainer one day or something like that. Cool. I kind of kind of mix in the whole men- mentality side with right. with the actual physical side of it. You know, I think that'd be cool. I mean, limitless possibility. Yeah. And then also on this idea of you traveling and telling your story and speaking, and that's something I can relate to. What is it like for you to revisit your story so frequently? I mean, do you ever just wish you could sit down with someone? I mean, I feel I'm like I'm I'm basically shaming myself right now. But do you ever wish you could just sit down with someone and like this would never come up? Or I bet that's how it is with all your friends and family. But then when you get to media, maybe it's different. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 awesome because you get to see someone's um, reaction, right? And you get to see firsthand, like, literally what's coming out, coming out of my mouth is impacting this person. Right. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's where, you know, with my friends, you know, trust me, with my friends, we're not sitting down talking about this. <laughs> Except I'd say, you know, with, with all the events happening at USC, that that is what I get sick of talking about. You know, I, I, I look, I have no idea what's going on at USC. I don't, I don't know what the president's team. doing. I don't know what the AAD is doing. I have no <laughs> idea what the football is like. I I, I'm, I'm just as much in the dark slash have no power and authority over any decisions being made as you do. I, I, I have yeah. my opinions, but like it's just I, I, I can't, I can't I help you. I just want to blink and be maybe like five years in the future know, and then hopefully we're smooth sailing <laughs> or back to normal. I mean, my vo- the volleyball program doesn't even have a coach right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, well. it's, and it's weird too when you become alum and you want I mean it's like for example you remember the USC you visited when Pete Carroll was a coach mm-hmm. and all this rah-rah amazing stuff and um now I mean just a lot of change at USC <laughs> yeah it's a ton of change so 
we'll see what happens. But yeah, that's that, mostly that's what I get annoyed with people <laughs> talking right, about right, all right. the time. You're like, I don't want to talk about USA football <laughs> anymore. No, I feel you. Trust me, I feel you. <laughs> right, Max? We only talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we all want answers, but yeah, we're not going to get any of that. <laughs> I'm <just laughs> certain of that. Well, thank you. I really appreciate your time today. And Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Real Pod. If you want to keep up with Jake, his Instagram is at jakeolson61. It's incredible to keep up with him and see all the amazing things he's doing. He's winning golf championships now. He's basically taking over the world. So big thank you to Jake for taking the time to sit down with us today and share a bit of his story and his journey with us. Make sure you follow him at jakeolson61. And also, thank you for listening to Real Pod. I really appreciate it. You can follow us too at at realpod on Instagram. Instagram. Make sure you subscribe so that you're the first to listen every Wednesday. You never miss an episode. And also rate and review this podcast. I would really appreciate that. You guys are everything to me. You keep me speaking into the mic by myself every week. So thank you. I appreciate it. And I will see you guys with another guest next week. Have a great one.